What's going on, guys? I feel like I don't even need a microphone. This is great. It's so I'm going to use the microphone, though. I feel like I'll get in trouble. But it'd be good. But it's so good to see everybody here. There are a lot of faces I don't know. There are a lot of faces I remember and I recognize. And it's so good to be here with you guys. I, I wish I had more time, but it's cool. Walking in, I felt like I had to, like, warm up to it. Like, I walked in. I saw Emmett right away. I saw Peter Lee coming towards me. And I was like, nobody's even here yet. And I'm already like, how do I hug people? How do I communicate and talk? But uh, it's good to be here right now. Me and Liv, we drove up with Fernanda, Ali's mom, up yesterday. It took us about three and a half hours. Which, right. isn't, which isn't anything. Liv did a great job driving. We didn't see any deer or anything like that. And so we made it here safely. Right. Um, but I remember the last time I was standing here at this microphone. I remember I, I was preaching. And I remember my, my girlfriend uh, decided to surprise me and, and drive um, up with her girls. And so I had no idea we were coming. In my mind, I, I have to plan out who's in the room. Right. And so she showed up and she came and I saw her and my brain didn't register it and I had to like just kind of like walk away. But now I'm not surprised. <laughs> you came here with me and so we're, so we're all good. We're all good. But um, I want to share about <laughs> Yeah, I, I literally had to, and I won't tell you, I had to go walk away and really just process it and analyze it because that's just how I am. But she's awesome and she's here. No surprise. She's here visiting with us. And uh, we come sending love and encouragement from Boston, the, the metro region who, re- region who loves you. You know Mike and Scarlett, um, they love you guys a lot, and they try to come up here a lot and stuff like that, and they're always talking about you. They're always talking about Mike and Scarlett. And so we're here on behalf of them, and so I want to give you guys a big uh, metro region hug. And so you guys, you guys got to take it. You guys got to take it. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I just wanted to share really quick, just update you guys, for, for those who don't, I just want to update you guys on a few things of my time in Boston. And so I remember moving down there. I was super worried because I needed to get a car. And I remember asking a lot of you guys to pray that I can get a car. And my prayer was that it'd be $1,000 uh, in my budget. And that is exactly what God did. God gave me a car for $1,000. His name is Charles. He is still running. He cannot, he cannot make it up here today. I, I, I don't risk Charles coming that far. Um, and so we, we took another vehicle. But Charles is serving his purpose. And so I thank you guys for the prayers for that. Um, I was also praying for a job. Right. And I wanted a job. I wanted somewhere where I could work and it could be flexible for me and all that stuff. And uh, God did just that as well. I work at some place that you guys would be proud. It's like it's called Volante Farms. It's a family-owned business. Right. And what they do is they grow their own crops, then they sell their crops and stuff like that. And they're all going green. They're all paper bags. It reminds me a lot of city, uh, city market a little bit, but they're not there yet. But so I, I feel at home whenever I'm there a little bit. I feel like I'm back in Vermont when I'm interacting with the people. Um, but I also want to share a little bit. Like right now, me and Liv, we're, we're, uh, we're taking over the campus for the summer, which I'm super excited to lead with my girlfriend and stuff like that. And the, the students are great. They're awesome. And we're excited to help dig deep roots down um, with their relationships with each other, with their relationships with God and all that stuff. And really take that further. Baby in the back. I like it. <laughs> uh, but I, I really do love, I'm excited to have vision uh, for the students and to see them build great, strong relationships with that. Um, but what you guys have been talking about is also very, very exciting. And the theme for this year is, what is love? Right? And right away, the song pops into my mind, what is, I'm sure people already made this joke. Okay, I don't have to do it. I'm sure, I'm sure it's there. But as soon as Mike told me, I started singing the song, and he kind of acted like, yeah, he's like, I've heard it before. So, uh, amen. Uh, but you guys have been doing it for a while. That was shocking to me. I thought it was like the thing you guys have been doing for the summer. And so it turns out you guys have been doing it since July, and I listened to Mike's sermon, um, the first sermon, the kind of like kickoff sermon. And what I love about his sermon is that he's, one of his points was that love is divine. And, uh, you know, I think about that. And the idea is he said he was saying, uh, like, love comes from God, like true love. 
And we learn how to love from that love. And so, in light of that, I kind of more so want to talk about love, as you guys have been talking about. But um, my focus is, is trying to understand God's immense love for us will help us accept ourselves and then be able to impact other people. Um, the first scripture, and, and I feel like kind of like this ties into it, you guys looked at um, that first day, was in Ephesians chapter 3. And I don't know if you guys looked at it again since then, but I figured, hey, we can just start off there. We'll read Ephesians chapter 3. And so, Ephesians 3, starting in verse 16. This is Paul talking. While you guys are turning there, you guys can listen. It says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know that this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Amen. You know, and I, and I think of this scripture, and I think it's a great scripture, right? And I think of like scrolling through and looking at everybody who had a chance to share their perspective on God's love. I think of Rob, I saw Rob on there. Rob did a little bit of it. I saw Peter Leap. I saw the beer horse. Ralph did it a little bit. But it's so cool to get everybody's perspective because I think God's love is so grasped. It's so wide. I think of First uh, John 4, 8 where it says, God is love. And therefore, so like trying to understand love is trying to understand who God is. And I think we and our human limitations can only see it from a certain perspective. But together as a whole, we can view that. We can view a mountain from different angles, right? Some people can stand it on the top, some people behind it and forward. But from my perspective, I only see the camel's hump from one angle. But together from our perspectives, we get a fuller picture of what God's love is. So I think it's a great theme and I'm very excited about it. And so I wanted to chime in my perspective. I know you guys have been hearing a lot of it, but my perspective of what God's love, what is love and what that means to me. Um, And so with that, let's go to God quickly in prayer and then... um, We'll get started. We'll dive in. Um, Heavenly Father, God, I'm so grateful to be here in the Burlington Church. God, it's so good to see my family again. God, it's so good to connect with hearts and to laugh and to joke around, God. Um, but also the, the exciting opportunity to make new memories, God, as we share the old. But we get to make new memories. I'm excited for uh, Giovanni and Nicole, but we'll get to that, God. But I, I do want to pray right now for uh, just this sermon, God, that you can speak powerfully through me. God, help me... Um, in the best of my ability and my limitations, really make it clear a new perspective of your love, what I find extremely encouraging and gives me hope, God. And I lift those up in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Awesome. And so, you know, 1 Corinthians 13, how many times have you guys read this so far? A lot. A lot. Not enough. All right. Well, amen. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13. (laughs) Not enough. I like that. Come on. Come on, Fernanda. I guess you haven't been here for all of the other ones because no one else said anything. So you're with me. You came with me, so maybe not. Uh, <laughs> but uh, as I get there, amen. First Corinthians 13. What I love, uh, you know, thinking about this before, really quickly while I'm turning there. You know, when I was in the world and, you know, I thought of love, um, I thought of love as just like a physical attraction. You know, that this feeling that you had and once that feeling was gone, you were no longer in love, right? And that warped my view as a man in the world, right? And then when I got introduced to this definition of God's love, it completely and utterly changed my perspective. It also convicted me. It also showed me how far away from God's standard I truly am. And so we'll read in verse 4 of First Corinthians 13, but I'm sure you guys are already there. You haven't memorized. But love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, 
always perseveres. Love never fails. Right? And I, and I think of this, and I still read it today, and I, I see now, like from, from when I first read it to now, I see how I'm slowly starting to develop some of these qualities. But I still, if I, if I were to swap out my name for these, uh, and, you know, say David is loving, David is patient, David is kind, I'd be like, no, you know, I, I missed the mark. But when I put Jesus there, when I put God there and I read this, I'm like, oh, he is that fully and completely. And so when I say God is love, I think this gives us a perfect definition uh, and an insight into God's character like nothing else. That God is the embodiment of all of these things. And so with that, I'm like, and we'll come back to it, but I look at that and I'm like, man, I'm nowhere near that. And I can beat myself up, but I'm so grateful that God is. And so my first point is God's love changes lives. If you guys want to turn over to John chapter 8, we'll be reading verses 1 through 11. How are you guys doing today? We're good? Amen. John 8. You know, when I, when I think of God's love changes lives, I think of Jesus and his interaction with people, right? I think of the woman at the well. Uh, and, you know, Jesus just has that interaction. I love how Jesus is able just to interact with people and uh, their lives are forever changed. But I think of the woman at the well and she goes away back to the town after she had this interaction with Jesus. And she's like, come see the man who told me everything I've ever done. And hundreds of people, I don't know how many people, but hundreds of people come to flock to see Jesus. And this woman had a huge impact because she was changed. I think of the man who is demon-possessed by legion, right? And, and he's like breaking chains and no one can tame him. And then God heals him. Jesus heals him. And he's sitting there in his right mind. And he's like, Jesus, please let me go with you. And she's like, no, no, I need you to stay here. I need you to go back into the town. Tell your friends, tell your family all that God has done for you. And then he goes into the town, what I love. He goes into the town and he tells everybody what Jesus did for him. And so he kind of understood it. He got it. He got who Jesus was. He got a glimpse of that. But he didn't leave the same. You know, I think of the disciples, right? We can go on and on through all the, all the gospels and stuff of people interacting with Jesus. But I think of the disciples who interact with Jesus. And I think in, in Acts 4, Acts 5, um, and the Pharisees saw them. And he saw that they were, they were unordinary men, unschooled ordinary men. And these people, these nobodies according to the world standard, had an, had an opportunity to get to know who Jesus was, to live with him and walk with him, and they were forever changed. Mm-hmm. Right? And I think, what about us? Right? And we'll, we'll dig into it, right? But what about us? Do, do we live changed lives? And what I love is that once we get to know who God is and Jesus' is love, like we, we do change. And that's the power of that. But in John 8, we'll read, we'll read a story of, of another interaction, one of my favorites. John 8, starting in verse 1. says, we'll start in two. It says, At dawn he appeared again in the temple courts, where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law of Moses, in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, If any one of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and he wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older first, until only Jesus was left, with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. Right, the first thing I want to talk about 
is this idea. I, I look at this story and I see Jesus' love for people. But I think there's this lie that I was told all of my life. That God wants us to change first. And then he'll love us. Right? He wants us to change. He wants us to, to turn from our sin. And then, and then he will then he'll accept us. But what I see here is that that's not the case at all. Jesus loves her. He accepts her. Mm-hmm. And he shows her that. He, she, he gives her that affirmation that she needs. Like, I accept you. I love you. Right. And then from that love, he then wants her to go and change. Come on, Dave. You know, and I think, I think so often, you know, when we listen to that lie, it can, it can discourage us. That, man, we're, never, we're not good enough. That we'll never make it. That we'll never be perfect enough to be accepted by God. But what I love is that Jesus accepts us first. And we'll, we'll come back to this idea in the second point. But I remember a time, you know, uh, with, with Shay Robbins, Ryan's brother. I know many of you guys know him, but uh, he took me cliff jumping. He took me on a lot of adventures, crazy adventures. Um, but I remember one time we went cliff jumping. It was my first time, and I was super afraid, and I was super scared. But we went to, to Redstone or, or Red Rocks. Red Rocks. Red Rocks, okay. I knew I was going to forget what it was called. Um, but we went to Red, Red Rocks, and we're sitting there, and we're standing over this 20, 25-foot cliff, and we're about to jump. And uh, this boat pulls up, and it's really cool. And this family got out, and all these kids are jumping in the water, and they're climbing up the rocks, and they come exactly where we are. And we haven't even jumped yet. And they're sitting there, and this little boy, um, there's one, his, his brother, his older brother, he jumps off, no problem. And this little boy, he's maybe six, maybe six to eight years old. And he's standing there at the cliff edge, and the father's in the water, treading water. He's there, he's ready to catch him. And I remember looking at him, and the boy wants to jump, and he's kind of like hesitating, he's like standing back, and he kind of goes for it again. And his dad's down in the water, 20, 25 feet below, like, come on, son, you can do it. I'm right here. I'll catch you. And, like, me and Shay were, like, rooting him out, like, you got it, buddy. You can do it. Like, go for it. Go jump. Like, you got it. And he's like, not a chance. And you say, he wants to do it. He backs up a little bit. He wants to do it. Um, and I was thinking, you know, I was, and, like, and from my perspective, I was like, man, he needs to jump because that would be the greatest memory ever. Like, that's something that, it, it just boosts his confidence in so many different areas. Um, but what did he end up doing? Was he, was he end up going down a little bit further and jumping off where he was more comfortable? And I was like, oh, man, the father must be so disappointed that he didn't trust him. But that wasn't the case at all. You can see the, the level of love that the father had, and he wasn't disappointed at all in his son. But just to know that he was there to support him and to accept him. And I knew he was thinking, like, man, we'll come back at another time, and we'll do it again when you're ready. Um, but I think so much that's like our image of God with us, you know, where we're at. You know, I think of this woman who, who's caught in the act of sin. And, and in her mind, she deserves death. She's going to die. She's being dragged out before these people. She has an angry mob around her that's, that's screaming for her death. And she has the one man before her who can condemn her. The one man who's righteous enough to throw the first stone and start the, and start the, the stoning of this woman. And she deserves it. And so I can't imagine what this woman is thinking. But then to hear that she gets a second chance, to hear that Jesus loves her enough to let her go free. And I think so much that that's our own walks with God before we get to know God, before we get to know Jesus, that we are the people stooped in sin. And maybe we know it, maybe we don't. I feel like there's a part of us. I knew, I knew what I was doing was wrong deep down all along every single time. But to know that God loved me so much that he was willing to die for us. That ties into my second point. God's love changes perspective. If you guys want to open up to Matthew 22. God's love changes perspectives. You know, I, I think of myself, right? And I, I mentioned before, I look, at, I look at 1 Corinthians 13. I look at that and I'm like, there's no way I'm there. 
There's no way I'm at that level. Um, but I'm, a, I'm my worst critic. Right? I don't know if you guys feel the same way. I'm the, I'm the hardest on myself. I beat myself up the, the, the worst. You know, when people give me compliments and praise, I immediately, in my mind, start rejecting everything that they're saying. I can say, yeah, thank you. But right away, I'm like, that's not true because of this, this, and that. That's not true because I know myself and I see myself. Um, but I look at God and his love for us. And, and the, the point I want to tease out here is that we need to view things from God's perspective. But in, but in Matthew 22, verse 37 and 40, and this is something that you know, I've been really trying to, trying to tease out in my own self, really trying to think about. But starting in verse 37, it reads, Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Right? And so many of us, many of us know this, right? The idea, this concept that we have to love God with everything. But recently I was like, I was thinking about my perspective was changed. Like, what does it mean to love yourself? Right? We're supposed to love our neighbors. We're supposed to love our enemies. But how do we, how do we love ourselves? And right, in my perspective beforehand, it was like, oh, you know, I eat and I take care of myself. Like, that, that's me loving myself, right? Um, but recently, uh, my perspective has been entirely changed. Is like, to love, to love myself is I have to, I have to accept myself, right? And, and I think in doing so, once we learn to accept ourselves, and I'll get to this in a second, then we can really have the power to be able to help and to love other people, to be able to love our enemies. But in doing so, uh, accepting yourself, right? And I, I was talking with, actually, Olivia's mom was up this past weekend, and I, I was talking to her about this idea, which was great. And, uh, you know, she brought this idea of, like, forgiving yourself. Like, you have to, like, people say all the time, yeah, you have to forgive yourself. And she was telling me, she's like, we don't have the power to do that. We, it's not in our power to forgive ourselves from the wrongs that we've done. And she was kind of like, help me to see it. It's like, um, you know, if we, if we owe a debt, like, we, we can't, we owe money already. We can't take the money that we don't have and give it to ourselves. Like, there's no way. We have to take on more debt. But she really brought this concept to light, this idea is that Jesus, uh, God, he accepts our debt. He accepts and he loves and he forgives us. And therefore, like, if we can believe and we can trust in that, we can then find the ability to be like, okay, I can accept myself. I can forgive myself because God already forgave me. I don't need to beat myself up around in circles through these things. And I think that concept to me is astounding. And I think of a scripture in Romans chapter 5. This would be the last scripture we look at. Romans chapter 5, starting in verse 6. It says, You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates this, his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And I think, I think this concept... It's so important for those who are like me who are so guilty and beat themselves up to understand that we are accepted and loved by God long before we ever did anything to deserve it. Long before we were ever good enough in our own eyes, Jesus, God, was willing to die for us so that we could be set free. That we can claim and hold on to the reins of being united with Him. Right? I, I think his, his, display, his love is displayed immensely in this by sending His Son on the cross. And I, and I think of this, this concept and this idea as something that I have to be reminded of on a daily basis. But imagine waking up each day 
Not being guilty, not beating yourself up, but simply basking in the fact that you are loved by God. How you go out and live your day. How you go out and interact with other people. And I think with that, that's what gives us the energy or, or the power to be able to love even our enemies, when those who wrong us. Because we know that it doesn't matter because we are immensely loved by God. This is something that, that I definitely want to be basked in and reminded on a daily basis that I am loved by God. Because so often I hear Satan's voice saying that I'm never going to be good enough. And I think the writer in First John, you don't have to turn there, but I think he, he really tries to paint this picture. And I want to read these words to you that he wrote. Because every time I read them, I, I feel like he's talking to me and he's trying to encourage me. But in First John chapter 2, and verses 12 to 14, he says, I write to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, dear children, because you have known the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God, God lives in you, and you have overcome the evil one. And, and I reflect and, I, and I, I listen to these words as they penetrate my heart, and I want them to penetrate your heart, but I feel like what he's really trying to emphasize is that you are accepted by God. That you have so much to rejoice in. That Satan right now wants us to be beat down and held back and looking at ourselves and saying how we're not good enough. Instead of seeing that, we have so much to be grateful for. We have so much to live for, for God. And to be reminded of these truths that we know God. That we have overcome the evil one. That we have nothing to fear out of that. And Satan wants to distract us from the other. But as we get ready to take the bread and the juice, let us reflect on the cross. You know, that God sending Jesus, his son, made this all possible for us. That Jesus coming down, and I think of his interactions with people and how he knew what he was going to do. He knew that he was going to die from the cross, but he didn't, he didn't wait then. You know, he didn't say like, hey, forgiveness is coming. But he definitely wanted to make a change in people's lives right then and there. He wanted to take the opportunity right then and there to impact someone's heart. And, and it impacted so many people around them. But as we get ready to take the juice and the fact that we are accepted by God and that he loves us dearly, and that he paid a price for us, you know, giving up his son. And I think and I reflect on Jesus' cross in the garden. It was hard for him. It wasn't easy. He wrestled in prayer. And this is something that I'm so thankful for. That he wasn't like, okay, I'm doing it. But the fact that he was very human and very God at the same time. And he had to wrestle and submit to God's will. Which makes the sacrifice so much more special. But as he wrestled in prayer so we can be lavish with God's immense love. Let us remember to not be distracted by Satan. Let us work together as a group to be reminded of God's love because we all see it differently differently from different perspectives. And let us ignore Satan's lies. But because of his love, like we are changed. We, should, we shouldn't stay the same. And I think that will happen once we fully immerse ourselves in the fact that we are loved by God. Like Our lives will change, but we'll also be able to help other people. And so with that, let's, let's go to God in prayer as, we, as the trays are going to be passed. Um, let's pray for communion.